Hi, friends. You're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We are joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social. There is no way you're going to get it. You're going to get 100% of the ideal view or the ideal world you would want mm. in place. So you have to you have to identify this 20% part of the projects that you're not going to be able to deliver, and you're like, okay, that's fine. We'll we'll do it later. And as you grow as 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 a company and you become more mature. And you, you you get to a stage where you become public company, etc. The, the risk, the level of risk, adversity, sensitivity to some some of these issues, etc., is getting adjusted. Obviously, mm-hmm. the level of risk you can take when you're a Series A startup is completely where well, you're just trying to build a product and sell a product. There's no denying that legal departments have been seen as the department of no for too long now. But while in-house lawyers are eager to add business value, it can be tricky to know where to begin. Thankfully, today we are joined by Arnaud Guachon, the Chief Legal Officer from Content Square, a company described by Gartner as one of the four most innovative technologies in e-commerce. Arnaud describes himself as a full-stack lawyer with experience in public companies and hyper-growth startups and scale-ups. He is incredibly focused on becoming a problem-solving partner to the business. And during this episode, Arno shares how to turn legal and compliance challenges into business opportunities and revenue generators. Let's dive in. Hello, Arno. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, not at all. Delighted to have you. I've been looking forward to this conversation since we had our last one and you're very passionate about what we're going to be talking about, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here, for sure. Yeah, perfect. Um, well, I suppose I'm sure quite a lot of people will have heard of Content Square, and, but seeing as we do have listeners from all around the world, would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself um, and your current company, please? Uh, sure, of course. So I'm. Uh, my name is Arnaud Guachon. I am uh, French, although I got U.S. citizenship two weeks ago as well. Yay! Oh, it officially um, came through. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. So I'm living in New York City. I think I've been in the U.S. for about 17 years now. As you can see, my accent has been completely gone through that uh, <laughs> period of time. My French accent. I. Uh, <laughs> What else? I have an amazing wife, three kids, U.S. borns, mostly amazing kids. <laughs> uh, I, I've been, uh, I, I guess, spending the last, what, 15 years learning uh, basically how to build a legal function initially for basically U.S. subsidiaries of French multinational companies. And then over the last about f- seven years for like fast growing startups. 
and then scale up uh, tech companies. So currently I am a chief legal officer for Content Square. It is a, it is a French SaaS company uh, doing digital experience analytics. And we're basically on a mission to turn every digital experience into a happy and human experience for uh, the user. At a high level, this is, uh, this is what we are, uh, we, are, we are thriving to do. The company, you know, uh, but the, comp- the company has been growing really fast uh, over the last few years. Today, we're about uh, 1,500 employees in, you know, all over the world in 50 plus countries, I think, although we have a few main offices. I joined the company three years ago. The legal team at the time was made of two awesome uh, lawyers uh, based in Paris. And today uh, we have about close to, the team is about close to probably 50 people across legal, privacy and security functions, which are the uh, the functions I, I supervise. So mm-hmm. that's that's about the company in a nutshell, I think. Yeah, that's so cool. And has it grown a lot since you joined the three years ago? Was that a big scaling period? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was about 300 employees, I think, when I joined uh, three years ago. We, we've been growing a lot organically. We also went through a couple of acquisitions. We acquired six companies, two of which are, were, were, were significant and the others were more like a product uh, add-ons but so yeah the company has been growing a lot and it's it's been such a fun journey i think my job has changed uh, probably three or four times if i had to <laughs> divide that period into chapters i would consider that yeah my, my what what you're doing when you're joining a company that that has virtually no legal fun- in-house legal function is completely different from what you're doing when you're starting having the the, the team uh, in two or three different locations, and what I'm doing today, which is, uh, I guess, more focusing on uh, my executive role within within the company and and making sure we have the right senior leadership, you know, in each verticals of the legal legal privacy security functions we've we've developed. So mm-hmm. really different, you know, different uh, steps along the way, but uh, each one is uh, uh, as, if not more exciting as, as the last one. So really, really happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. And yeah, what a great experience to experience all the different phases um, of that journey as well, which is super cool. And I know that yeah. the as the legal function, when a company scales so much, there's a lot of support that goes that the legal function has to do to support that growth. And I know you're a big advocate for a kind of business first mindset for in-house lawyers specifically. So is this a mindset that you've always had or where did it come from? That's a good question. I I, I think I've always, I, I've always been like that. I've always been very interested in business, in entrepreneurship in, in, in general as an individual and then when i i grew i developed as a lawyer uh, i think it's been naturally i've been i've been uh, attracted to this side of the practice pretty quickly i barely i really barely worked in a private practice and almost right away joined the in-house legal team because i was i was really interested in the in the business side now you're asking me whether there was really a you know a, a, a shift 
in, mm-hmm. in really focusing on, on having a business first, first mindset. Yeah, probably. I think it was a two-step process. Like, as I mentioned earlier, I started first working for a, a larger companies and larger legal team. You know, at that time, I like to, I'm having fun using that, that analogy, but I, I, I felt at times like, you know, being at one of these pickup soccer games when you're a kid or, you know, high school or whatever, when, you know, you each each team is picking a player one after the other and you're the last one being picked, picked up mm. to play, <laughs> if at all, if you're ever picked or maybe you're going to be picked to be just a goalkeeper, right? <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. a little bit what I thought the legal function was was like in these larger larger environments you know no one really want, wanted to be working with the legal team the legal team was going to be a deal breaker or slowing down the deal maybe you know they were, they were going to be they were going to they, they were going find going to find some issues with the project mm-hmm. so no no one really wanted to play with it i think that was the first the first shift toward okay uh me thinking i want to be a business first lawyer and this is probably when i decided to start joining, you know, smaller companies, more dynamic companies where, you know, you could start Mm -hmm. from a blank slate, you know, building your legal function with the mindset and the philosophy that uh, you want. Mm -hmm. And, and that was cool. That was, that was, that was really exciting. And I think the, the next, the next milestone there that I noticed is one day at my former company, I was talking with one of our managers or country manager for Germany, actually, and he was telling me, hey, you know, it's great. The team you've built, it's it's we really love the legal team. I can think of any project that you guys, you guys, you know, blocked or prevented us from closing. And he meant that as a tremendous compliment. Right. I think. (laughs) And I'm like, "Okay, all right. Thanks. But, you know, thinking about it, you're like, okay, I came from being nobody's friend, you know, that no one wanted to play play with, to basically being nobody at all. You know, you're <laughs> like, okay, you're like, hey, I love you. You're harmless. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I love my legal team. They're not going to hurt. So and that, that's, that's really where I think the last, that was the last uh, straw, you know, in, in that mindset shift where I was like, okay, that's, that's it. I, what I really want to do is find ways to put the business and, and frankly, the people at the heart of every, you know, every decision and, 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 and the fact that the in-house legal function to really deliver value must mm-hmm. really accelerate, find ways to accelerate the business and, and drive the business, fuel the business and not the mm-hmm. opposite. Otherwise, you know, you just if you, you you're just relying on the on the expertise, I don't think you're doing your job as in-house lawyer. I don't think there is a point even if having an in-house legal function. If mm-hmm. all you're all you're expecting is the expertise, you're you're probably better off with sticking with just outside counsel. So anyway, sorry, mm-hmm. it was a long way to answer your question, but I, I I think so. You know, naturally, I had that that mindset, but it it developed over the years through these experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. When when teams are congratulating you on almost having no lim- limited impact, if that makes sense, yeah, it's, exactly. it's an odd concept. <laughs> and I feel you feel sad for them, right? This is what they've been experienced as senior managers over the years. 
the mm. best experience they can expect expect from the legal team is a legal team that's innocuous, right? Harmless. Mm. Oh yeah, you can sit here. I don't mind. You know, you're transparent. I don't see you. You're useless. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we have to have a stronger uh, stronger ambition for what the legal function can deliver. Yeah, totally. You're you're so right. And because generally the traditional work of the in-house legal team you know, it's quite preventative. So it goes unseen and the rest of the business wouldn't really know that it, that it happens, I guess, unless you are, you know, blocking as such deals or, or the like. So yeah, you're, you're yeah, so right. Exactly. This is the only opportunities you have. And, and some lawyers to, to this, you know, this perception is, is, is based on, you know, I, I think factual evidence that a lot of, I guess, old, old school, in-house lawyers do act like that. I don't know if there is an ego problem or whatever, but they they are they are seeing themselves as cops, you know, and 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 trying to hey hey make sure that they're aware and they're involved and you know and and they find up finding ways to basically uh, find reasons to to block or or or. or, or slow down a project you know i think a lot of a lot of unfortunately a lot of in-house lawyers are still thinking this way and so mm. the only opportunities the only times they have they can they can get some light you know is when they are blocking a deal so that's mm. you know, so that's that's really not that's really not the vision i was uh was hoping to be able to deliver and, and build uh, yeah. uh at least at content square for sure yeah exactly and having a business first mindset make sure that you you can be seen more as an accelerator than a blocker i suppose so f for the sake the of plan. clarity um what do we mean when we say a business first mindset <laughs> yeah that's a good question because that's easy <laughs> it's easier probably to say to uh to put in practice uh than than to put in practice i think a couple of things i mean we've been playing a lot at content square with that no pita mindset and PITA is an acronym PITA I'll let you figure out what what it means but the, <laughs> the idea the idea the idea was really I guess it's 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 getting you to the you know only the, the middle of the road only but try to have that mindset of not be a deal blocker one one of the one of the rules that we use a lot and I talk a lot to the team etc is what I call the 80-20 percent rule that's not a very exciting uh, name but really the idea is like try to focus force yourself we want each of us uh, members of the legal team to focus on what matters you know find the 80 percent of any project or your your bandwidth whatever you're doing try to focus on the 80 percent stuff that's either high risk or that has the most strategic value and really drop you know forget about the other 20 percent that is low risk or little business value this is just this is just parasite this is sometimes something we find that you know lawyers coming from private practice has are, are struggling struggling with a little bit more because they they've been they've been trained to be conservative and to make mm. sure that you know it's either black or white, there is not no such thing uh, when you uh, when you run, you know, when you're part of a business and you're part of a company, you have to stick your neck out. You have to 
make calls, judgment calls, common sense, etc. And it's 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 usually never 100% what the perfect solution could be. Uh, you have to keep your eyes on the ball and uh, make sure you follow what the business the business objective is, and you get there. Why are you still doing your your job as a lawyer? You know, like to say that in-house lawyers are supposed to be 50% lawyers, sure. But but that's really being a good lawyer, a good advisor is really halfway uh, through where you want to be. The other 50% is really be a business person. Business, you're, you're, you have as a in-house lawyer the same skin in the game, the same vested interest as anybody else within the company to close a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you have a sales guy saying, oh, thank, thanks so much to your team for helping us closing that deal. Well, sure, that's our job. As much as it is yours to sell the product, you know, it's our job to close the deal, uh, you know, as much as you. So that, that's the thing. And and, and so there, there, that no pita concept, you know, I, I I think we try to focus on, on three, probably three main things, which are optimistic, stoic, and crazy. These these are the three ideas I like to I like to play with and be mm-hmm. be an optimistic lawyer. Optimistic in the sense of whoever you know whoever uh, gave that definition. But I read one day that an optimist, a pessimistic is someone who sees uh, uh, challenges in every opportunity, and the optimistic is someone who sees opportunities in every challenge. And mm-hmm. that's really that's something that's resonating. Uh, with me and, and with us, we really try to find opportunities in, in anything that could be at first sight perceived as a potential challenge, a potential constraint uh, on the business. That's that's the first mm-hmm. recipe ingredient. I think that's really important when we hire people, when we uh, when we meet people. This is the first, probably the first value, the first skill soft skill mm-hmm. we're looking for some people that are thinking outside the box etc then stoic yeah. what i call stoic for uh, for lack of better terms it's like you know i read some someday about corporate stoicism i think i think my take uh, on that was really you know you can't you, you can't really control what's happening particularly as a in-house lawyer not always i i i i laughed a lot when i arrived in the us uh, at the expression you know, when the shit hits the fan. This is something <laughs> I've, been, I've been hearing a lot. I know, love that phrase. I, and I was like, oh, you know, when you, you know, I was like, this is a pretty graphic, right, expression, right? Yeah, when um, you think about the way it the, translates, and I guess if you're visualizing it, it is very much. <laughs> it's, it's, it, has, it has a lot of, you know, what, what you actually have to deal with as in-house lawyer, you know, when something uh, unexpected or bad happens uh mm-hmm. the general counsel is here to try to help solve that resolve that and you can't control when that happens but you can control the way you respond to it and focusing on this sometimes is is very helpful i i i found uh, in in making sure you have that business mindset these are mm-hmm. you know what i sometimes think about as moment of truth you know something like this happens okay we have i have option a or option b here which one mm-hmm. you know try to try to assess you know assess pros and cons for each each option i i can give a few examples later but that this mm-hmm. is really ingredient number two i think and then and then uh the the last one is crazy so i i, I spoke with some people that don't that actually don't think that's a good idea at all for lawyers to be crazy <laughs> You know, I think crazy in the way uh, in the way that you 
you don't want to look at things the same way as everybody else to the extent you can, to the extent possible. It's really mm-hmm. in the sense of thinking outside the box, being non-conventional to some extent. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. when we are, we're interviewing people, we're meeting people, I ask them on a scale from one to 10, how crazy do you think you are? This is not something <laughs> from, from me. It's something from Tony Shea, actually, the founder of Zappos. I, re- I read, I read cool. this in one of his books. But I, I, that, that as well resonated with me. I thought it was, was pretty cool. And for lawyers, it's sometimes a little bit, you know, it could be a little bit disturbing. You're like, oh, yeah. I, if I say I'm crazy, you know, as a lawyer, it's probably not that good. We're looking for people that are between that are around seven out of ten crazy. You know, the ten, <laughs> ten out of ten is probably a bit too much. But yeah. you know, the, the idea is that I don't think you can do your job, do your job, and be successful as as in house lawyer and general counsel if you are a conservative by the book lawyer. Mm. You know, you need. You really need to think outside the box. I said that earlier, but I, I, I think that's that mm-hmm. that's really the idea here and take some hopefully calculated risks. You know, that's part mm-hmm. of the game. That's part of the job. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a general idea. And, you know, some people tell me, well, you know, OK, that's nice. Uh, but how do you do that? You need resources. You need to have trust. You need to have from from your executive team or the board. Mm-hmm. And all of this is true. And there are. I think there are there are ways where you can try to you know to make sure you have that that you know that bandwidth that that breathing room from your executive team or your CEO or the board to implement mm-hmm. some of some of these uh, you know uh, some of these initiatives. So, what is a business first mindset? Arno and his legal team embrace a no pita approach, which stands for no pain in the ass. This is a mindset where you can do whatever you can to reduce friction and blockers and instead focus on finding a way to achieve the business goal. One way to do this is by using the 80-20 rule. In an in-house legal context, this means focusing on the 80% of a project that is higher risk or adds the most strategic value and deprioritizing or dismissing the 20% of work that is low risk or adds little business value. In essence, with this approach, you're aiming for a project to be 80% good to go from a legal standpoint. And obviously, the higher risk topics should fall into this 80%. It can take a little getting used to, but when this becomes second nature, your legal team will deliver much better business outcomes and do so more quickly. And I think um, for anyone who's wondering, no, Peter, I'm just going to say it, it's no pain in the ass. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said it. Don't worry. Um, we have yeah, t-shirts. I, I don't have one. Oh, actually, actually, I do. Uh, Let's see. I don't know if you can see it, but uh, we we this was not this was not calculated. You don't have to believe me, but we have uh, we we used. To, I shouldn't show the logo. We changed our logo uh, recently, but oh yes. Uh, this, oh, no, Peter, legal the, team. The, yeah, this is so all all of all of the team members have one of one of these. That's and uh, brilliant. We're just having fun with that, uh, you oh. know, it's just a way to find an opportunity to talk about this and and yeah. and and make sure that as the team grows, you know, you can't. I I I unfortunately sometimes cannot meet everyone that we hire at Sarah, but I think it's really important that you pick one, two, or three of these key ingredients that mm-hmm. you're going to really focus a lot on, and you're you're going to trust your team to do the same mm-hmm. with their 
you're going to trust your senior senior leadership to do the same with their managers, etc. So that mm-hmm. that culture that culture really continues to grow with 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 the company. And and mm-hmm. so far, I think we've been we've been happy with that. So yeah, totally. And and you touched on it there in terms of culture, both the no pita, but also the eighty twenty um, rule that you said. I I imagine maybe um, if it's someone's first in-house role and you tell them 80% okay is the goal. I think, I, I yeah. imagine a lot of first-time in-house lawyers would be quite fearful at that fact because as you say, yeah. in private practice, you're, you're going for correctness over business progress, I suppose, um, because, you know, you're you're. Sp- you're there specifically for the legal advice, whereas, as you say, yeah. in-house, your role is different. You're a business-minded lawyer rather than just a lawyer, I suppose. That's, that's totally true. Yeah, I, that's exactly it. And and you need to get yourself comfortable with that. Some people can't, uh, and it's mm. fine. But you need to get yourself comfortable with that, particularly when you're joining a, a very young startup. There is no way you're going to get it. You're going to get 100% of the ideal view, your the ideal world you would want mm. in place. So you have to you have to identify these 20% part of the projects that you're not going to be able to deliver, and you're like, okay, that's fine. We'll we'll do it later. And as you grow as 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 a company and you become more mature, and you 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 get to a stage where you become public company, etc. These you, the, the the risk the level of risk adversity sensitivity to some some of these issues etc um, is getting adjusted obviously mm-hmm. the level of risk you can take when you're a series a startup is completely well you're just trying to build a product and sell a product uh, maybe your biggest concern is not Russia maybe that's a bad example but Russia data privacy, uh, mm-hmm. regulations, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have to consider that uh, maybe that's a second, a secondary, uh, uh, secondary concern at this point. And then when your series C is different and late stage, you, you want to be as, you know, as, as in line as possible. And in fact, probably, probably also use some of these regulations and requirements to, to your advantage and 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 get beyond that and 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 uh, try to try to find a find a opportunities to to be a pioneer or thought leader on some of these uh concepts that's something else we've been trying to focus on mm. uh, recently but you're right yeah I, I i digress but you're right as as a young lawyer this is something to uh, that is not easy to get familiar with, and this is this is our job when we are a little more senior within the company. It's our job. It's my job as general counsel. Sometimes a lot, some of these things are escalated to me, and it's my job to make the call and mm-hmm. you know and take responsibility for it. And you know, it's it's never it's 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 usually not easy. It's usually not easy, but you have to balance you know business interest, legal interest, mm-hmm. and find find the right way to do that. Yeah, totally. And at, because it is a mindset thing and a kind of a, a cultural thing, does it get easier the more you do it? Would you say? I I think so. Probably I got I got more used to that over over time. Yeah, you 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 get more confident, I think, and you you learn. You know, you you learn by experience from experience. Mm. So 
you know uh sometimes you did things that you know what, what what's important when you what, what's important and what is also very uh, useful i think when you work for younger startups is the you know usually they are very agile work environment and you can try fast uh mm. you can you can there, there is there is more tolerance for failure i think mm. as long as you learn from that and as long as you react fast so try to be on your you know keeping yourself on your toes a little bit all the time but that you know this is how this is how you learn you know a lot of times and mm. and that's what i'm sharing with the teams often is like okay it's it's all right there will be mistakes let's try to make sure we as much as possible you know we make mistakes on on these 20% mm. Uh, things where it's more low value, low risk, etc., and really mm. focus, identify. So a lot of it is just, you know, you know, when you go to law school, you you learn uh, issue spotting uh, skills. It's a little bit the same idea, you know. Try, you know, try to learn what really matters, what's really really important. Keep your eyes on the ball and the the end end game, business mm. goal, um, and and. And balance it out. If you're a new lawyer or if you're new to in-house, getting used to the balance between business value creation and legal perfection can be tough. Particularly if you're in a startup or scale-up environment, there's often a higher risk appetite and tendency towards failing fast and failing forward. When turning legal challenges into business opportunities, you need to first get comfortable with this environment. To do so, Practice working outside of your comfort zone. Work with business teams in other areas, share your ideas, and listen to other people's insights to help widen your perspective. Then you can assess the cost of the legal risks versus the value of the business opportunity and act accordingly. And, and what does this look like in practice? Could you share some examples of how you and the team have applied it? Yeah, yeah, of, of course. And, and you know, also that's a good, there was something else I wanted to add is, is how you, you know, how you do that. Because sometimes it's easy to, to say that, yeah, I'm going to take that challenge and I'm going to turn it into an opportunity, but I'm, that, that's going to mean that I'm going to need resources or more time. And again, I, I, I think and I'll give you, this is what I, I've tried to do when I joined the company. I, I can think of maybe two examples, um, but this is what I, what, I, what I did when I joined. I tried to identify one of these opportunities that I could think could be really game changers for the company mm -hmm. and, and kind of ignore everything else to the extent mm -hmm. possible. And fo focus on this one. And you know what? I what that reminded me uh, is like one I I, uh, uh, I, I I remember reading one of these uh, Jack Reacher books. You know where where he's yeah. in uh, he's in prison at some point, and in order to survive, he has to you know he finds the leader of the gang there and and head, headbutt him right, and <laughs> yeah. and then he builds he builds he has. He has credibility and respect uh, from everybody else after that. Maybe the analogy is not, it's not, that, <laughs> it's not that logical. I don't feel like being in jail. I've never been to jail so far. But uh, <laughs> um, there's a little bit of that. You know, find that one project that you think will make the difference. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, and 
focus on that, nail it. And, and then you're going to, you know, if you're lucky, you need a little bit of luck. It's, it's easy to say all that, but I think mm. you need to be a little bit uh, lucky as well. But mm-hmm. you're going to nail that and you're gonna, that's going to help you a lot building credibility and, and, and uh, across the C-suite, across the, the, the other le- you know, leaders and your board with your board, etc. So mm-hmm. and then from there you should probably have more 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 room to breathe because uh, that's that's the thing and also pick your company properly. I mean the alignment of mindset is is really important between between the management, the founders, and what you're trying to do. Because if you're getting hired as in-house lawyer because there is too much outside legal fees and you're going to report to nothing wrong with that, but to the finance team, for instance. So these are signals typically I find like, okay, it might be a little bit more difficult to get mm-hmm. where, I want to, where I want to go because if I'm, if I'm perceived just as a cost killer, probably I'm not going to have enough room to actually deliver the value um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think I could deliver. So concretely, mm-hmm. uh, sorry for digressing a lot. No, uh, no you, problem. You, you can cut me off. So valuable. <laughs> I, I think one good example that we could, I could, you know, talk about is is what happened to to our our industry some time ago, a couple of years ago, where a lot of a lot of our customers in the industry were targeted by class actions for using uh, uh, digital experience analytics tools, and and these class actions didn't have much of a leg to stand on but uh anyway you, you might know how it goes in the us uh you still have to they were more like troll type of actions but you still have to defend them and it's it's serious business mm-hmm. when that happened some of our customers were targeted again it was a, it was across the whole industry and we we they turn to us and say, hey, we're getting sued because we're using that uh piece of technology of yours for allegedly it wasn't you know, it was well. I I don't want to get into the details. It's probably yeah. going to be not not interesting. But but the idea, bottom line, is I think that we had no contractual obligation mm-hmm. to indemnify or to represent or defend uh, our customers. And this is one of these moments of truth where we had option A, which could be which would have been we thought more short sighted and and short term based, which could have been like, sorry, I read the contract. I don't have any obligation to do anything about this, so you're on your own. Option B, on the other hand, could be an opportunity to show that we are we are seeing our relationship with our customers as, as a true partnership, and despite the fact that we didn't have to defend them, maybe we could because we could think that that's the right thing to do, and it's it's a little bit more long-term based as 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 a as a vision, and that's a decision we made at that time. And mm-hmm. so we decided to hire who a team of lawyers that I thought was well, well the best in the industry, privacy class action, uh, you know, defense uh, lawyers based in in the in the Silicon Valley, and we did that. We picked up the bill for you know the tab for our customers, and mm. we won. We won all the cases. They won mm. all the cases. So. The outcome of that was a very positive impact on the business. Could have been a very negative one if mm-hmm. we had chosen option A. No, on the other hand, you know, this is where I say there's a little bit of luck because even though we, we knew the cases were strong, you, you never know for sure, 100%. So mm. 
there is a little bit of luck involved there as well. But in mm. the end, it helped really reinforce our uh, relationship with our with our customers. Um, what what could have been uh, potentially a disaster or a negative uh, could have had a negative impact on the business mm. relationship turned out to have a very strong positive impact. Mm. And so these are. This is just an example, but there are multi, multiple ways like uh, like this where I think the legal function can really find opportunities to help the business drive it and 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 and, and really have mm -hmm. a positive impact. So that that was one, and maybe one that is more uh, applicable to that could be more applicable to 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 everyone or more companies was the way the, the way we decided to tackle the the whole privacy you know regulation questions and yes. and particularly when gdpr mm -hmm. surfaced in 2016 no i think and you know you here again you have two options you can look at it as a necessary evil something you'll have to deal with but we can still do business despite the regulations try to have kind of a minimalist approach yes we're going to comply but you know we're going to do it at bare minimum so that it will have as little as possible of an impact on my business or my product mm. if i'm using a product that's you know that's data you know that's personal data intense or that's using a lot of personal data we decided to have a different approach here and really embrace the regulation starting with gdpr but all all around the world ccpa in the us etc and and really try to get ahead of the game on that and um and really uh, uh um focus on what it meant and what we could do use that as a what we could do to use that as platform to go beyond the mere compliance you know requirements into you know into more like data ethics etc i i can i can I can talk a little bit more about this later, but um, the concrete outcome of this thought process and brainstorming we had with our product teams and our, our product strategy teams uh, ended up with a we, with a first version of a cookie-less product that we mm. released last year, uh, I think, or a little bit earlier than that. And so we were the we were the first one, I think, uh, as of today, we're the only one, uh, the only ones in the industry to offer a version of our product that doesn't use any cookie at all. But it took again, it it, it takes a village, you know, the expression, but to really mm -hmm. get there. But legal can lead the way, but then you're going to need product and strategy and and a lot of the teams to really really embrace that idea and 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 try to to again think outside the box be creative innovative and and offer something that some of our customers would love and today we have different versions of the product depending depending on the level of data privacy personal data sensitivity mm -hmm. that our customers have and they can they can select which version they like best yeah so these are two examples i think of where legal can really help uh where was able to really help there there are there are others and it's really more of a i think it's 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 really more um, a day-to-day -day mindset uh mm -hmm. to try to look at everything we do as lawyers through that lens mm -hmm. uh to try to really help the business all the time this is what we're here for otherwise you know there is no point being in house like i said earlier. <laughs> so anyway i yeah. hope that was helpful 
Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. And you kept saying about luck, but luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So I'm sure you wouldn't have had the same outcome if you weren't prepared and if you didn't have the the business first um, approach. So I'm sure you're, don't downplay your efforts. (laughs) No, that's brilliant. And as, as you mentioned, it feels like the impact and you mentioned how it takes a village and all the other teams are involved um in different projects and stuff and i think this business first approach really helps legal become integrated into the business is is that fair absolutely absolutely and this mm-hmm. is this is yeah uh, this is a uh, something that was even more um uh, important uh, mm. during covid where mm. everybody or um, a lot of us were working remotely this was even more um challenging then so so yeah absolutely true you have to develop these trusted relationships with all of the business product house sales mm-hmm. teams etc team members so that you can be you are you are in fact an integrated part of the business and mm-hmm. and you have a better opportunity to actually to actually deliver value this way for sure for sure yeah yeah very cool very cool That's critical. and I, I imagine for instance the 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 person you mentioned at the beginning of of the podcast um having being surprised that you weren't negatively impacting their processes so i imagine it re rebrands legal internally as well which is pretty cool <laughs> um but yes so unfortunately yeah. we're we're running out of time so i i don't know if you have any final remarks that you'd like to to make on either Nopeta or anything that we've talked about today. <laughs> no, no, not really. I think I think it's it's yeah, the last few words could be about how to look for the future, maybe try to identify new trends, try to identify uh, uh, things that could be could become unavoidable in the future and and you know, the same way I mentioned about GDPR, there are a number of the things that are happening now. One mm. uh, one thing I could think of is is like all the impact ideas in general. Mm-hmm. This is something else we've been trying to focus on. There are more and more developing regulations, uh, you know, uh, uh, or future requirements around mm-hmm. extra financial commitments, you know, ESG, sustainability, ethics, yes. diversity, inclusion, non-profit commitment, whatnot. So, mm-hmm. so, so, I think this is another area where a lot of legal teams can help actually anticipate that and and be proactive about about this and use that as a as a strength in the end uh, mm-hmm. rather than rather than uh, rather than waiting and be uh, you know and and have to be reactive about it and then then it's a lost opportunity for everyone to actually to actually uh, deliver some value. So this is having that mindset is really um is really going to help the legal team to deliver value and turn you know what could have been challenges into you know what what sometimes is called blue ocean business opportunities mm-hmm. yes i love so, that yeah finding the right. opportunities yeah. and the challenges that's absolutely brilliant yeah, i think that's the, that's that's yeah that's a, a nice summary exactly thank you i'm talking a lot i know oh no thank you so much honestly that'll be super valuable for everyone listening and it's important to keep this front of mind and remember that when you're in-house you're not solely a lawyer you're a business person with a with a legal hat so i think that's yeah a a brilliant thing that'll be very useful for everyone 
never take yourself too seriously. I think that's something else we could have added here. You know, yes. lawyers are not, you know, they're not that critical in the whole process in the end. So anyway. <laughs> when, uh, when they're up at seven out of 10 on the crazy scale, I'm sure they'll be having fun. So <laughs> yeah, that's it's very really important fun. to make sure we have fun along exactly. the way. That's for sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Arnaud. It was such, such, such a pleasure to speak to you. So I really appreciate your time. <laughs> thank you, Steph. Thank you very much for your time. I was really, really yeah. happy to be, to be with you.